Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Homeschool Together. Before we begin into our our interview today, if you could head down into the show notes, especially the lovely ladies at the home link, to go down there and leave us a lovely review. Yes, our our friend Dawn told us, shout out to Dawn, uh, told us that you ladies were discussing us at uh, Home Link and Lake Stevens We're the other so day. close to the singularity where we meet somebody in the wild who knows who we are. I know. But I doesn't like- really know who we are yeah i think that's gonna be like really excited well anyway hello ladies and thanks for watching thanks for listening yes thank you so much so um today we have a wonderful homeschooling journeys episode we have been recording a bunch we put out a call on the the facebook group and we a bunch of people stood up and you know like tributes uh, in in the hunger games come on it's not that bad i will i will do it me and peter will do it but uh yeah no uh we we've had a a lovely a bunch of interviews here and i think you guys are going to enjoy it we're going to sprinkle those out over the next couple months it'll be kind of fun to hear people's uh, opinions today we have jennifer brandon who has um two neurodiverse children who Mm -hmm. had um, IEPs through their public school. Um, Public school just wasn't conducive for them, Mm -hmm. Um, didn't really fit into the demands. There were a lot of demands on their children, Um, not just um, like like homework demands, but it was just like expectations and behavior and all that things. Um, And that that really created a, a challenging environment for their children. And Jennifer joined us today to talk a lot about her experience with with that struggle and how she made the decision, which can be very drastic for a lot of people, but yeah. to decided to hey, I'm going to be a homeschooling. I'm going yeah, to homeschool abandon what you're doing. You know yeah. what what you you think you're going to do, and you, you know you hope is going to work for your your child, and just change it up. And and then you know for we, we've interviewed a few neurodiverse parents, and I think what really strikes me most is that mm-hmm. they they not only take on homeschooling their kids, which is what we're all doing, but they they take on this added layer of having to understand the individual needs of their children yeah. in in not just a, I don't want to do math today, mom yeah. thing, which we all kind of deal with, but, you know, just that they have to also educate themselves about, yeah. about the, the, the process specific, and, the, and the details yeah, of what the they have to do. Challenges for their child. And so, I, I just like, yeah, props to, to them for, for doing that. So they got to become like, you know, they, they work with a school system and they get these IEPs, these individual education plans where the school is setting up like, okay, here's when they're going to meet with a special education teacher. And they have all of this knowledge and information to try to set up, you know, what they think is going to work for this child. And then you go home and you've got to be that, that person, you've got to be that expert. You've so, got to be everything. Right. And, you have to be all of it. And I think that's really, um, it can be and, unsettling almost, yeah. Yeah, and you know, her children, like the 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 uh, children of the other neurodiverse parents, you know, that we've interviewed, they're thriving with homeschool, which yeah. I just think is so, it's a testament to, you know, the, the love and care that their parents put into their education, 
Um, and you know, that, you know, homeschooling really meeting the kids where they need to, where they need to be met to, to thrive, which I just think is awesome. Yeah. I think meeting the needs is the, is the wonderful kind of through line with all those interviews is that we can tailor the environment kind of a, you know, a teacher to student ratio is really nice in homeschooling. Um, and we can really tailor what they need and, mm-hmm. and re- meeting the needs I think is the common theme that we, we keep hearing is that, you know, my child needs very special needs to, to work within their, what they need. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to supply that to them in a better way than even the public school as they pull their children out to put them in these special classes and then bring them back. I'm able to, you know, as a parent to supply what they actually need in mm-hmm. order to thrive and put them in the, in a situation where they can be as successful as possible by removing any of the, you know, the social hindrances or the, you know, the emotional or anxiety hindrances that can appear when you're in a classroom full of 20, 25 kids and you're expected to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's not the type of person you are. And I think these type of interviews are wonderful about that. So stay tuned. Uh, We're going to get jumped right into the, the interview here with Jennifer Brandon. Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, so tell us and our listeners a little bit about your family. And we understand you started homeschooling during the pandemic. So tell us a bit about your family and what drove you to uh, continue homeschooling post-pandemic. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor turned stay-at-home mom. And my plan had been to go back to work in September of 2020 when my daughter would have been starting full-time pre-K but then the pandemic happened and I did not go back to work. Um, my husband is the executive director of a, a local performing arts center and we have two kids. Um, they are six and soon to be eight. Um, so if they were in public school, they would be in second grade and kindergarten. So um, my son had, had started public pre-K with an IEP at age three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a neurodivergent family. So both our kids um, have various needs and strengths that make individualized homeschooling perfect for them. Um, Like I can just meet them where they're at for every subject. Um, IEP stands for Individualized Education Plan. So it lists out various strengths and needs and accommodations that kids can get in school. Is that something that was generated by uh, like something from the school district or uh, a teaching professional and then that was given to you or did you work in conjunction with someone? The school system ha- does their own testing and they develop it. Okay. So then that's something that was given. When what, At what level of the education, because they're eight and six, when you, this was like maybe three years ago, is this something they presented to you at kindergarten for your oldest? No. Um, so we, he had started out with early intervention. So they set us up through the, the public school system at age three and we went from there with an IEP. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, cool. How did, how did that, how did that work for him? Uh, so he did half day pre-K and what his IEP at the time consisted of was being pulled out for things like speech and occupational therapy. Was that, was that successful or were you noticing already that that system kind of wasn't meeting him where he was at? Um, kind of in the middle. He, he liked school for pre-K. He had wonderful pre-K teachers. At the beginning of the pandemic, he was still in half day pre-K and they switched to remote learning, which for pre-K that went okay because it didn't feel like there were too many expectations. It was preschool and, you know, he would join for the meetings and then have the rest of the day to just go off and, and do whatever he wanted. 
Was that something that concerned you going into kindergarten and that it was going to get harder and maybe that was not going to be the right fit? Definitely. So I had never planned on homeschooling, but I had, I made the switch after seeing about a like a week of remote kindergarten in the fall of 2020. So it was October and they had a late start to the year because of figuring out the remote learning. So kindergarten started more like late the end of September. So October, we made the switch already. So you said you had never thought about homeschooling beforehand. You know, was that a scary choice to take that on to yourself and, you know, the education and maybe even facets of the IEP as well? Uh, It was very scary at first. At the same time, I felt like it was what was best because the remote learning wasn't working out for us and there weren't any other options. Yeah, it kind of felt like it it must have felt like that was the only thing you could do at that point. Did the school or did you have to do a bunch of research? Did the school provide you some information or to, to assist you in the homeschooling or did you have to go and research? No, I had I had to go and um and research it on my own. But the the special ed coordinator actually um, encouraged me to look into it because I had been asking for more accommodations that they didn't feel like they could meet. So you have a you have a, a background in, in mental health, but did have you worked with other with children that that had similar issues to to your son? Or was this kind of a new area that you had to figure out kind of on your own? So I had worked with autistic kids in the past, but it's much different with your own children. I feel like now going back to to that afterwards, I will have a totally different outlook on it after raising <laughs> two. So is it kind of one of these things where you had this IEP with the school district and so they were taking over and all of a sudden it's homeschooling. That means that's all on you. Did they give you any resources to go or was it kind of like, okay, it's, it's all you now? They did not give us any resources. Um, I had asked... Because um, there was a program called Lexia that was something that he was interested in continuing. And I had asked for them to let us continue with that. But because he wasn't like in a specific teacher's classroom, they said that they we couldn't do it. Um, so our children's IEPs consisted of things like um, speech therapy for articulation and language skills, occupational therapy for fine motor skills and writing, and accommodations for the classroom, like um, preferred seating or use of fidgets, things like that. And a, a lot of the special education meetings felt like me trying to advocate for them and prove that they needed certain accommodations to thrive in a classroom setting. So um, the IEP documents aren't really that helpful for homeschool. Well, so they're really specifically focused on having a big class of, of kids. Yes, it's only really for in school. So a lot of the needs listed in them don't apply at home. Um, like my kids are free to get up and move around whenever whenever they need to. Uh, my son had OT for handwriting, and I actually do the opposite at home. I don't force handwriting because focusing on the mechanics of handwriting, I feel like affected his views of writing in general. He hates writing um, because it, it's something that he struggled with. Um, so I've been trying to scribe more for him or to get him to type so he can just get his creative ideas out without the stress of handwriting. So could could you maybe walk us through what, you know, an average homeschool day looks like to you guys? Like we, you know, you had to make that pivot, that transition from the school system. You're now making 
different accommodations that fit the needs of your children. You know, what does a day look like to you guys? Like, when do you wake up? How do you, you know, get started in the morning? What, you know, what, what, what does it look like to, to you guys? Okay. So my, my son is always up before the sun (laughs) (laughs) and no homeschool day is the same for us. Every day is Mm -hmm. different. Um, We're not really home very much um, because we do have a lot of activities and appointments that we do like in in our children's IEPs they had certain services that we've decided to continue with privately like they do still have OT like occupational therapy physical therapy speech therapy but it's not at the school it's privately um okay. they do therapeutic horseback riding things like rock climbing my daughter has an art class so we do a lot of you know playground meetups and field trips and things like that so day to day we're never really home. <laughs> it's it's different every day. Um, like when you, what about when you're doing your your home education? When you're doing stuff, you know, like your curriculum and mm-hmm. workbooks and things like that. Do you tend to do that in the morning, or does that shift around just like your sh- schedule does with all the various appointments you have? So we fit it in where whenever we can. We do school year round and pretty much every day. My husband works on Saturdays, so sometimes we do school on Saturday. Do you tend to be more mobile with your homeschool? Like you, you have like a like a go bag or a, a rolling cart that you take with you. We do most of it at home, but okay. um, I mean, besides the field trips and things like that. So on an average day, we, you know, if we are at home, we do the, the things that we do separately for the children are math and language arts, and then everything else we do all together as a family. Okay. Um, so do you do the, what, what, so you're typically doing, you're talking about doing things together. Is that sort of your social studies curriculum, like a blossom and root build your library type of thing? Is that what you're working together with, with both children? Yes, we do a lot of unit studies too. We just, just finished our around the world combination of build your library and torchlight, cool. awesome. um, which is how we found your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a lot of fun and it was easy to adapt it to each child, you know, what they needed. So for these unit studies, are these ones that you make yourself? Yes. So it started out with, I started doing unit studies using the Waldock Way Magic Treehouse units Mm -hmm. because my son loved the Magic Treehouse books. So I would use the Waldock Way Magic Treehouse units as a base um, and then add a lot of books on the topic and also leave out anything that was either too mature or just wouldn't be a good fit for my kids and their interests. Um, so I, I, I make a lot on our own too by searching our library networks app and putting a ton of books on hold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious about your process. I'm looking to create a custom unit study for our kids. How do you how do you approach starting with something? Do you say, okay, I've got this topic. I'm going to get books from the library. Do you plan activities or field trips or art projects? Is it getting things off of Pinterest for ideas for art. Like how, how would, how would you put something like that together? So putting together unit studies based on my kids' interests or um, to answer some of the many questions that my son is always asking. Um, <laughs> I, you know, for example, my son became interested in elevators and he wanted to know how they worked. So I gathered up a bunch of stories and nonfiction books about elevators and escalators including um, an inventor biography and a math story that involved adding and subtracting numbers of floors. Um, (laughs) 
like he had a doctor's appointment. So we took the elevator and I let him push all the buttons while he talked <laughs> about the things he had um, read about elevators. Some other child-led unit studies that we've done are like insects, cars, wild dogs, and Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> so anything that they're interested in, I will look up. I'm in a Facebook group that has homeschoolers that like to do unit studies. So I search there for some ideas. Um, then I look in my library app and look up the subject and um, do try to tie it into as many subjects as possible. And I do sometimes use Pinterest, but that's more for my daughter. My son's not really into the crafting thing. So I'll try to find something for her to do on there. Do your unit studies tend to take a certain length? Do you find there's like a sweet spot for your kids, like a week, two weeks, or is it kind of open-ended? It's open-ended. Some of them were really quick and some of them we spent a couple of months on. When you're slotting those into your regular curriculum, whether it's the reading, the math, your social studies curriculum, you know, where how much of your week is taken up by these unit studies that you're making for your children? Um, so I don't really measure how long oh, we're, sure. we're doing it since it's kind of, you know, throughout the day, you know, sometimes it says bedtime stories, mm -hmm. things like that. So I'm not really sure how long we spend on it. But they're just there. You always have yeah. them ready to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. It doesn't so, feel like work or schoolwork because we're really, you know, we're gathering around reading stories together. <laughs> so it sounds like the unit studies are almost a bit unschooly. So are you using, Yes. So you have like unschooling for that part. And then are you using regular curriculums for like a math and reading? We use math with confidence for math. Um, we tried Singapore dimensions, but at the time it felt maybe too workbook heavy for my son, even though I know that the teacher guy does have a lot of I'm trying to think similar to math with confidence in in the you know physical things like that. We didn't get very far in that. So um so we use math with confidence for math and all about reading for language um for reading. <laughs> so for my daughter, we we tried level one of all about reading, and even though she knew all of her letter sounds. Uh, it was, I think the blending piece of it was just too difficult. So we, t I'm so happy that we took a step back and I got the pre-reading and she's been having a blast with that. She loves it. <laughs> I've been thinking about getting that for our second daughter because our, our first was a bit too old when we found out about all about reading. Um, so do you think it's, do you think it's a valuable starting spot then? I do. Yes. Uh, for my son, we recently started level four of all about reading even though he's a very strong reader, I just felt like I didn't want to be missing out on anything. So, and he enjoys it. So we only, we only really do that if he's interested and he enjoys it. That's great. So this, you know, it wasn't the plan for you to homeschool originally. Um, did, did you have thoughts before you became a homeschooler about what, you know, what it would mean to homeschool? Like what kind of preconceived notions might you've had? I really didn't know any homeschoolers that I knew of. Um, so I kind of had the view of school at home. I wasn't really sure what it would look like for our family. What What is it that maybe surprised you about homeschooling that, you know, we, we often find that like things are revealed to us as we're homeschooling. Oh, wow. It, it never occurred to me that this was going to be this way. Has Have there been things like that for you that kind of surprised you? I guess it was surprising the amount of freedom we would have to, you know, <laughs> learn whatever we wanted to learn. 
are there a lot of regulations in your state or are you are you pretty free to you know follow you know what you know what you think is right for your kids there's a lot of freedom in our state that's great and so now that you've you've been homeschooling so let's see for like two three years Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Three. So, so how do you feel about the future? Do you, is this something that you think you want to keep doing with your kids or do you feel like it's the right fit for right now, but you're going to reevaluate every year? How, you know, what are you thinking kind of in the, the future forecast? So I think that we're going to take it year by year, but it, it really is working out very well for our family. So I see us continuing for at least a while. So are there any concerns that you have if you go back to school? Obviously, that might be a really, you know, difficult transition back if you, you know, if you decide one year or your kids decide that you want to go back, you know, are, are there some some factors you're going to consider or some things you might be thinking about? So uh, my kids had wonderful preschool teachers, but the special education system is really difficult to navigate <laughs> and <laughs> there's only so much that wonderful teachers can do to meet the needs of and individual students when they have 30 kids with various needs. I do have concerns about how behavior can be managed in schools. Um, A lot of times kids are blamed for having challenging behaviors, so they're punished or rewarded for good behavior. Um, But really, kids do well when they can, and behaviors are due to unmet needs or like skills that they might need help developing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times rewards are given to kids who are doing, um, they're going to do well anyway. (laughs) And rewards is, yeah, the reward systems also take away from intrinsic motivation and natural love of learning. A lot of times teachers use things like behavior charts. And for a lot of kids, not just neurodivergent kids, but all kids that can be so anxiety provoking and really detrimental in the long run. So I'm sure that, you know, that would be kind of concerning going back. You'd have to get in with the IEP program again, figure out what their needs are, and then kind of coach them through this system that they don't fit into well, right? They maybe, maybe they wouldn't be punished for, you know, having behavior that wasn't consistent with the class because they are special needs, but maybe they wouldn't be rewarded either. And Mm -hmm. I would feel like, when that kind of hit the confidence of kids? Definitely. What would you say for a family that has a neurodiverse child or children who are kind of thinking about, you know, maybe I'm going to take this leap to homeschool. I don't know. Should I just work with the district and come up with a plan? You know, what, what would your advice be, you know, a few years in now and kind of having seen both sides of it, what would you tell that family? I would say that if they're considering it, if they have support and the financial means to homeschool, then you definitely should give it a try Mm. Um, because you can always go back to school. You know, you can always go back through that process again if homeschooling doesn't work out. My advice to families that are transitioning their neurodivergent child out of school would be that a lot of neurodivergent kids experience some level of trauma from school, whether it's bullying or Um, their behavior issues not being handled properly or, you know, just being forced to mask their differences to get by and try to fit in. So definitely take some time to de-school, which I know you've talked on your show about before. Mm -hmm. Um, So not make your homeschool look like 
school at home, give them time to relax and just do what they need to figure out what they would be interested in learning about. And don't be afraid. Um, you know, you know your child best. Do you feel like the the research that you did to understand how to how to educate your neurodiverse children is that something that I'm I'm you have a lot of background in this. I I think as a parent, I'd be a little bit intimidated to go in and start doing this research. Do you think it's really accessible? Are there some good resources or, you know, um Facebook groups or things that uh, parents could join that could help kind of the lay person? Um, in this space, you know, figure out where to start. There are some Facebook groups. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the names of them offhand, but not specific to neurodivergent children, but um, freedom to learn by Peter Gray really spoke to me because although my son really needs his routine, like he needs to know what are, what's coming next. What are we going to do today? He also really thrives with flexibility and autonomy. He has a hard time being told what to do. <laughs> so that was like, wow, we can really just learn what he wants to learn. It was like, I hadn't really thought of that prior to reading that book. I thought, you know, homeschooling would be, we get curriculum and we do school at home. My son has what medically it's called pathological demand avoidance, but the community is trying to change that to be more like pervasive drive for autonomy. <laughs> Any type of demand creates an anxiety in him that he feels like he can't do it. So even if it's some like a demand that he's placing on himself, like I have to, I don't know, even sometimes going to the playground or something, if like I have to get dressed to go to the playground. Are these demands from from like the parental figure or a teacher or just consequences of saying having to go and, you know, hey, in order to go to the grocery store, I need you to put your jacket on. Is it, and that will cause, you know, yes. anxiety and frustration. Okay. Yes. It has gotten a lot better because we are now a low demand family. Like we, okay. we phrase things in such a way that doesn't make it, it seem like a demand mm -hmm. using, um, I guess, declarative language. So that's something that worries me about him potentially going back as well is that his teacher's didn't see that as anxiety. They saw it as more, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's under his desk instead of, you know, instead of doing the lesson. But really it was like, I'm being forced to do this worksheet and I can't do it. <laughs> is that something that often changes with age or is that something that, you know, he's just going to have to know about himself kind of going forward in his life? I think depending on the environment, it can change, but that is something that he'll probably have to deal with. There is an online community of adults with this. It's also not not really recognized in the United States. So it's all people from the UK. But <laughs> um, I'm like, hey, that is my son. <laughs> so he was really struggling with anxiety about the demands of school and the virtual aspect of it. Like there was some sensory stuff going on with the Zoom meetings and all of that. It's a lot of noise with a classroom full of kids all talking at once on the computer. Um, and he also was really bored with it. Um, there weren't really other kids that were at his reading level. So he um, he has hyperlexia, which means that as a toddler, he had an early intense interest in letters and numbers. And he actually learned to read without any formal instruction. So this is different with my daughter. I never had to teach him to read. <laughs> 
did you ever did you know with that with that journey of him teaching himself to read and you said you're doing all about reading did you ever have to do like level one two or three before you got to level four or are you just doing level four because you you want to make sure he knows certain things right i i started with level four just because i felt like you know i don't know there was some doubt in the back of my mind maybe i'm missing something i wanted to um go back and just see but he's doing he he can read them no problem he's reading he was reading chapter books before kindergarten started um, that's, inc- that's incredible <laughs> a self-taught reader so he's already reading chapter books at the start of kindergarten so when they broke off for reading into like level peers they didn't really have anybody to place him with um so he was in the higher level but he was kind of I'm you know I'm really bored with this mom why do I have to be in this meeting and then at the same at the same time I felt like the demands were way too high for kindergarten so academically he was advanced but they still wanted them to do so much for kindergarten um they wanted him to be writing full sentences during live virtual classes and he struggled to keep up with that, um, with his fine motor skills. So my decision to homeschool was also like I wanted to just let him go at his own pace and preserve his childhood, you know, play, playing and getting outside as much as possible. I had asked the special education department about, you know, does he have to do these meetings and maybe we can just get some assignments. And they had encouraged me to look into homeschooling because they they didn't have accommodations for what they consider gifted students. So he's kind of what what's considered twice exceptional. So he has, you know, learning disabilities, but also he's gifted in some way, in some things. In our state, they don't really have accommodations for kids who are above grade level. And I'm sure the Zoom, the Zoom school, you know, that 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 was probably a very difficult thing for them to accommodate him because normally he would have these breakout classes, you said, like they would take him mm-hmm. to do go do something. Did, did, were there any did they do any of the breakout stuff while they, they went to did. virtual learning? Okay. Yeah. So they would they would be in a meeting and then out of a meeting and then they would have small group meetings. But he he did not feel comfortable doing doing a lot of that. No, it was a struggle to get him to sit at the computer. And that was part of the the demand issue that you had talked yes. about. Okay. Mm-hmm. How about for your daughter? When is mm-hmm. is there is it? He's hyperlexia. Is she? And you said now you're having to teach her to, to learn to read and stuff. Are there obviously different challenges for the different students? How do you? as a mother, as an educator, handle, you know, the different challenges when you're teaching them? Is that difficult for you? Are there are, are there any, like, things you've learned over the last three years that could help um, a family that may have, you know, different challenges with two separate children? Um, because we do math and language arts separately, I don't think that it's really a challenge. Um, so we're doing different levels to meet them where they're at. And while I'm doing you know, all about reading with her. My son is off doing something else and vice versa. So my daughter also did remote pre-K with an IEP, which um, did not go very well, despite her amazing teacher. 
Um, she had the same teacher that my son had, so she was comfortable with seeing her on the computer, but it was just a lot of stressful work on us parents <laughs> because <laughs> uh, we had to help her every step of the way because of her age and, you know, using the computer and all the crafts and everything, like tiny pieces of construction paper all over the place. <laughs> um, so we decided to keep her home uh, when they switched to in-person. But you managed the distance learning for how long? I I don't remember when they stopped. I know it was partway through the year. They went back to in-person. Um, it's hard to remember that it's been going on for so long now. That... <laughs> so for a number, for a number of months, you were right there with her doing preschool. Um, yes. And w- was that like most of the day or just a few hours of day? She had afternoon pre-K. It was half days. That must've been a, a big challenge for you with your son also home, you know, having to, to move between the two of them or have your demands, uh, such high demands on, on the preschool class. Was that a challenge managing also having your son being homeschooled as well? It was, but we had at the time, you know, we were leaning more towards unschooling. So Mm -hmm. he kept himself busy for the most part. He would peek in and say hi to his former teacher. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with math and reading being so accelerated with your son, is that something that you are keen in on as like to enable as like a, you know, foreseeing into the future that these are two fields that he will excel in, you know, whether it's writing, not physical writing, you said that was a challenge, but like, you know, reading a lot of books, does he enjoy telling stories? And maybe consequently, if he enjoys math, does he love solving math problems? And do you see these as potential paths for him in his life? Or have you not thought about that because he's in second grade? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, I don't know how much I want to, um, mention this, but he, he really, he likes math. He's super good at math, but he likes it like in disguised ways. He doesn't really like our math. I don't know, like sitting down and doing a math worksheet, but when we do math games, he enjoys that. And he he likes, um, we've done math seeds, like math seeds and reading eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, he's really interested in numbers. Like he, my daughter likes to watch number blocks and then they'll go back and forth talking about different numbers and <laughs> okay um, but he loves the the kind of the abstractness of yes. of numbers that's that's very interesting back to the reading side then does he love tell, telling stories does he love you know does he have a deep interest in stories since he can you know read at a very high level or has been reading at a very high level for a long time yeah so he he really loves reading about anything um okay. and he likes not so much telling stories, but making up storylines like with his um, stuffed animals with his sister. Mm. So <laughs> they okay, tell okay. a lot of stories that way. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know, like, like for me, helping to, you know, my, my oldest learn to read has been a long process. And it's, it's very, I, I just, I'm just very interested in to hear from a child who taught himself how to read. Um, you know, what, what is the, you know, what type of different outcomes? Because my daughter loves listening to stories, loves you know reading, but has been reluctant to, you know, finally take that, that those final steps. And she's, you know, seven and a half. She can read books um, and stuff, but she just doesn't like just run after it yet. And I think my three-year-old, three and a half-year-old is showing signs of maybe more of an accelerated reading path than, than her older sister. And I didn't know if, if you had experienced anything that was unique or different. Uh, with your son? 
Um, yeah, I don't, I really don't know, you know, how he figured (laughs) out how he did it. He's just, he's really good at decoding and he just, something just clicked for him. So one of the things I always like to ask people is, you know, what what do you have in your homeschool that you can't live without? There's so many things that people love to talk about or little things that, that help them throughout their day. Do you have anything that you can't live without? Um, so no, our biggest resource is just our local library. <laughs> um, I can't imagine what it would be like to homeschool before the internet and our interlibrary loan system. So we're usually there, you know, two or three times a week to play with other kids or pick up our 20 to 30 holds. <laughs> um, they also have a, a homeschool steam group that we, we used to do. Um, it didn't work out with our schedule this year, but we're hoping to get back to it. Um, do do you guys like to use, you said you like to use the physical library. You like to go into the library. Gasp, shock, yes. wonderful place to be. <laughs> um, uh, do you guys also use the digital services as well, like audiobooks or digital books, or is it really mainly physical books do you guys like to use? Uh, we like to use physical books. We also get books on CD and so I can play <laughs> them in the car and um, at home. So they enjoy the audio books as well. Yes. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, Jen, this has just been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!